0: Roxy, would you ever attend a church where you could see the pastor's chest? What? <laughs> you know, like a church where the, the pastor, who who is a guy, is, shall we say, deeply V-necked.
1: Oh, I don't know. It sounds like a stumbling block to me.
0: Remember, guys, modest is hottest.
1: From Religion News Service, this is Saved by the City, a podcast from two single Christian women making our way in New York without losing our shirts. Souls. Souls. I'm Roxy Stone. And I'm Caitlin Beatty.
2: I'm Paul Brandeis Rauschenbusch. This week on The State of Belief.
1: I felt like if anyone was going to be speaking up, It was going to have to be somebody like me.
2: Faithful conversations around sexual orientation and gender identity in Texas with Auburn Peterson of Another Story. Also, getting ready for the 2024 vote with Adam Friedman, organizing an election strategist at Interfaith Alliance. The State of Belief, where religion and democracy meet. Distributed by Religion News Service Podcasts and available on your favorite podcast app.
0: When you decided to move to New York City, mm-hmm. did you know, had you heard of Hillsong, New
1: York? Um, I actually did the first or one of the first articles about the Hillsong, New York City church plant. Mm. And I interviewed Carl Lentz.
0: Okay. <laughs> I I have heard of him. Yes.
1: And Joel Houston, mm. who was a lead singer in Hillsong United, son of the church's founder and co-planter of Hillsong, New York City. Did you attend a service? I did. Yeah. What was it like? Like a rock concert (laughs) with some Jesus. I mean, it lived up to the hype in that way. They had it at Irving Plaza, which is a concert venue in kind of a Union Square area, which was not far from where I lived at the time. You had to literally get there early to stand in line. (laughs) because they kind of built this like sense of hype the way you would a rock concert Mm -hmm. and so you would show up and they had the doors closed until a certain time and so like by the time that they would open they would be like a literal line like around the block you know people would stop and be like what's going on who's playing (laughs) jesus christ would you like to be introduced to him? <laughs> um, I only went once and I had a friend who was going so and I just was kind of curious because mm-hmm. I'd written about it. Um, and so when I moved here, I was like, hey, can I go to a service with mm-hmm. you and when And I mean, it was I- I'd been to enough non-denom type churches that had a little bit of that young adult, you know, vibe. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like totally unfamiliar. And I knew some of the whole song. Songs because who doesn't, right? If you're part of evangelicalism, but it still was its own, like it was a production, right? And a lot of beautiful people on the stage.
0: Did you feel like you needed to dress cool going? I did, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I don't remember exactly what I wore, you know, because it was definitely like a cool kid scene. And a lot, a lot, a lot has happened at uh, the quote unquote church of choice for Justin Bieber. The New York branch is still primarily virtual Mm. since the pandemic. I think they have like a little gathering every Sunday. Bieber has cut ties completely with the former now disgraced lead pastor, Carl Lentz.
0: It does seem like not a week goes by without some kind of
1: bad news coming out. Yeah, it's a snowball over there. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the next year brings. But I imagine it's going to bring a lot. Mm, you're
0: saying that there is more on the way, potentially.
1: Yeah. I think that snowball's going to keep rolling. Okay. Keep gaining momentum. Got it. <laughs> well, we wanted to take some time to figure out... What exactly happened with Hillsong? What went wrong? And what does this saga reveal about the pitfalls of a church like Hillsong, a church that seems to have been built on celebrity?
0: This is a good topic for us. We have the person who broke the news of Carl Lentz's resignation slash firing <laughs> as one of our co-hosts.
1: So you're going to be like my Michael Babaro? Yes, I will be your Barbaro.
0: To start out, it's probably good to go back to the very beginning. So, Roxy, how did Hillsong become Hillsong? Where did it all start?
1: Uh, The church was founded in the suburbs of Sydney, Australia in 1983 by Brian and Bobby Houston. Brian's father had also been a pastor. He'd grown up in New Zealand um, and moved to Sydney. And the church that he started was sort of modeled after the churches he'd grown up with, his father's Mm -hmm. churches. And then he went to America and witnessed some of the success of American Pentecostal pastors and televangelists in the U.S. And when he went back to Australia, he sort of brought these ideas with him about using media, about um, just sort of a cool factor to the church. Um, And it was around that time he gave one of his most famous sermons, uh, The Church I See, in which he sort of cast a vision for a global church. And you can find this sermon online and he's given it a few more times since then, but he sort of kind of has this preacher, like the church I see is the church I see is the church I see is in the major cultural centers of the world. Mm. And he sort of talks about how he sees a global church and the church just really starts to grow after that, after he returns from the States and he begins to plant churches in Australia and it becomes something of a phenomenon there.
0: So Brian Houston always had his sights set on wanting churches in major cultural hubs, like in cities as a way of attracting People with some sense of social clout or power who could be introduced to Christ and then have like a cultural influence that would spread out into the world eventually.
1: Precisely. You're familiar with the seven cultural mountains idea mm-hmm. that was infused in his thinking. Like, we need to have churches that have people within them who have influence over these seven mountains of culture, politics, and entertainment mm-hmm. and education, et cetera.
0: And obviously, a lot of people must have responded to this vision because Hillsong grew significantly in the 90s and 2000s. It did. What do you think was key to that success? Like, how did it become this big global phenomenon?
1: The really short answer is their music. Worship artists, including some rather famous ones. You know, the the sound of the music felt very familiar to people who were listening to like pop radio at the Mm -hmm. time. They also had like TV programs in Australia. Brian and Bobby began to write books. They were on the radio. They were using that playbook. Mm -hmm. They haven't always been beloved by everyone, but they did grow in a lot of popularity in Australia and then began to start Looking globally. And a big part of the way that they did that was at first to license their worship music. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I remember singing Hillsong uh, worship songs in some of my early evangelical experiences, like in college.
0: I definitely remember singing Shout to the Lord all the time.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: Worship was beginning to become an umbrella type of ministry. Mm-hmm. Contemporary Christian music had almost always been like what you might listen to in the car, mm-hmm. like Amy. S'more singer,
0: songwriter.
1: Yes. And now it was becoming like driven by worship mm-hmm. music. So Hillsong was a big part of that trend. They were making a lot of money from that, a lot of royalties from mm-hmm. that. And then they set up Hillsong College and they began training like worship pastors. And eventually, training in ministry. And that was, and people would come to Australia for that. Mm. So, fast forward to 2010, Hillsong, New York City was the first Mm. church plant in the US.
0: And it must have been strategic to be planted in New York because New York City is perceived to be the seat of cultural Mm -hmm. power. And Mm -hmm. they chose a young man who, Mm -hmm. to my knowledge, had not been like a known leader in the church prior.
1: No, he was a pastor, a young adult pastor, I guess in North Carolina. And he had attended Hillsong college.
0: Right. So he, he had gone over, been trained in the Hillsong style, met his wife Mm -hmm. there,
1: which is very common. Almost all of the pastors at Hillsong churches went to Hillsong college, met their wives there.
0: Well, they're probably kind of hot. I mean, the wives, (laughs) So can you really... Bl- yeah, they're all hot. That is not something Michael Babaro would say. <laughs> but I, I let the persona slip. Okay, getting back to Lentz. So obviously the church started getting a lot of buzz, a lot of attention in the United States has started growing, and and Lentz himself was mm-hmm. a big part of that. So what do you think his appeal was? Like Why had he been selected to kind of lead Hillsong's entry into... The American landscape
1: I have theories um he's a he 's a handsome man he 's incredibly charismatic. I heard him preach a couple of times he 's a good preacher he 's very engaging, just being in his presence, you got like a buzz because mm-hmm. he was really he he seemed to engage with people really well on a personal level, but then also he would get on stage and he just had you know he had the it factor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think there's like genuine reasons why someone like that would be selected to lead a church like this. And he wasn't afraid (laughs) of, he didn't shy from the celebrity. Like he, you know, he took the interviews, all these major media outlets that were like, whoa, what is this church meeting in like a rock venue Mm -hmm. and this pastor with his tattoos and his leather jacket. Um, And he went on and he charmed everybody. Anderson Cooper was like, you've never met a pastor like this before. (laughs) And... I've met some versions of this but yes most people have not uh, yes indeed so it was you know it just kind of he got the media storm out of Mm -hmm. it but the big thing that happened was that the church began to attract uh, celebrities uh, including Justin Bieber, including including Selena Gomez. Some of the Kardashian sisters went there. Um, Tyler Chandler, who's an NBA star, went there. And eventually, apparently, Justin Bieber was baptized in his bathtub by Carl Lentz. But also, according to new reports, a lot of other things were happening at that same party.
0: Well, let let we'll definitely get to that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to jump ahead too far. But it seems like part of the strategic approach with Hillsong New York was picking a highly visible lead pastor who would in some ways look like a New Yorker who was and a
1: celebrity who was a celebrity in his own right no I mean he looked like a celebrity like Mm -hmm. he you know he's walking along with Bieber and you can't necessarily tell like who's right who's the pastor and who's the celebrity
0: any picture that I have ever seen of Carl Lentz there is some visible pectoral muscle Going from deep mm-hmm. v-neck to... Mm-hmm. Shirtless. The, I mean, the one picture that I remember is like... The famous picture. Him and Justin Bieber, like, walking on the beach or something. And he, ha- he is totally mm-hmm. shirtless. And his pants are slung
1: extremely low. Oh, no. He's got, like, the Kin Barbie doll groin, groin lines. Groin lines, yes. And I just think... Yeah.
0: Was this not a yellow flag? <laughs> Maybe... <laughs> Mm -hmm. There's something Mm -hmm. there's some dynamic here where natural attractiveness and charisma could very easily be used or abused Mm -hmm. if it's combined with the power that he obviously had in the church and the broader Hillsong network.
1: Yeah. And I think um, he wasn't alone in that. I mean, if you look at Hillsong pastors pretty much across the board, like they are beautiful people. Hillsong has this thing where the um, head pastors of every church are a husband and wife. They come as a couple. Mm-hmm. So when the husband gets fired, as we've seen a lot lately, the wife also leaves. But they are both beautiful. Mm-hmm. And there's an awareness of that beauty, a playing up of that beauty. Um, you see it on in their Instagrams. You see it in just sort of like just generally the aesthetic of the church celebrates mm-hmm. that level of like sexiness and attractiveness.
0: Right. So fast forward to November 4th, 2020, you Mm. broke the news in a report for a religion news service that Lentz was stepping down after admitting to having an extramarital affair. And then over the coming weeks and months, and even up until now, news has emerged of allegations against Lentz of bullying, abuse of power, forms of sexual abuse, Even beyond the allegations of abuse, there are broader concerns about the church culture that, you know, former Mm -hmm. staff members and volunteers have talked about kind of working around the clock to keep the church going, not receiving fair pay or any pay, while kind of the top leaders can kind of do whatever they Mm -hmm. want with little recourse and splurge on fancy things and no one's going to say anything. So not just specific allegations of abusive behavior, but kind of a culture mm-hmm. of people at the top being able to do whatever they want. Yeah. So it does seem safe to say that the issue isn't just with Lens's personal failings.
1: It's become really clear that there's so much more going on. Mm-hmm. Having reported on this one step at a time as it's been unfolding, it began to feel like Lenz was a fall guy. Like, a little bit of Hillsong wanting to say for a while, it was all Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz was the problem. Mm-hmm. Carl Lentz was out of control. I mean, there was like a leaked recording of Brian Houston talking about how bad Carl Lentz was. Houston is like, I've had reservations for a really long time. Mm-hmm. That kind of a recording gets leaked for a reason. And so it sort of felt like, okay, now that he's gone, we're mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take these steps to make sure that doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. But since then, we're beginning to see, like, like Lentz was a problem, but he wasn't the only problem. And in fact, even some of the problems of Lentz probably originated in Australia mm. and in the position he was put in and in the position he was asked to play, the character he was asked to play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We've had allegations of rape against other Hillsong mm. pastors and evidence that the board knew about that and still kept... That person on as a pastor. And now, now we have Brian Houston, the lead pastor, founding pastor, global senior pastor, has resigned. And he resigned after allegations came out against him of sexual misconduct against women, inappropriate texting with uh, a Hillsong staffer, and then an occasion at a Hillsong conference where he was drinking and in a room with a woman who had attended the conference. And they say nothing happened, but no one knows. Mm. But anyway, so he has now resigned. And of course, even going back before that, long, long, long Mm -hmm. ago, Brian Houston's father, who was also a pastor, was accused of um, sexually molesting a young boy and eventually confessed to that. But for a long time he'd been been being investigated and now brian houston is facing trial in australia for not disclosing evidence to the police at the time so it's all very messy (laughs) um and goes well beyond like carl lentz had a tequila drenched love affair with a brooklyn-based jewelry designer
0: I'm actually kind of surprised that Hillsong has managed to stay afloat this long, you know mm-hmm. but it also goes to show that abuse and misconduct always happen in a cultural context, like it's never just it's never just the one person who is acting sinfully or criminally. you know it's also right. an entire structure of power that Enable someone to abuse that essentially allows them to feel like they can without recourse. And if you put someone like Carl Lentz on a pedestal and kind of hire him in part because of his attractiveness and charisma, and then don't offer any sort of accountability, mm-hmm. you're you're basically setting him up to fail. And then when you say the fall guy and then like making him bear the brunt of the problem as if it's just his problem without also taking responsibility for how a church culture set him up to fail.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, it's systemic, it seems to be baked in. And I think what we saw, especially, you know, at, at Hillsong New York City, was, like, that, like, rock star idea. Like, this conceit that this church is sort of like going to a rock concert. Like, you actually ended up with rock stars up mm-hmm. there. And and they began to act like celebrities who were, like, above all the rules. Um, and in a lot of ways, they were above the rules. Yeah, one of the details
0: that I found in researching my book on celebrity in the church seems mildly relevant Uh is that Hillsong New York had a VIP section at one point Yes. so if you showed up and you were somebody famous or you had an inside track you would be escorted by security guards or staffers to the front section and then later on you could come backstage and interact with Lentz and the worship band and Mm -hmm. like be treated like (laughs) VIP. Yeah. Like, this is weird. This is, this is not a Christian concept at all.
1: This is a very not Christian concept. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm done being Michael Barbaro now.
1: Let's just talk as friends. (laughs) That sounds good. But, First, let's give a shout out to our sponsors. Religion
0: News Service is an independent, award-winning source of global reporting on religion, spirituality, culture, and ethics.
1: And while you're there, check out all of the reporting on Hillsong because, take it from me, there is a lot of it. And Roxy has done a very good job at breaking a lot of it. Oh, thank you.
0: If you like what we're doing at Saved by the City, let us know. Throw us a rating or a review, which goes a long way to helping get the word out about our show.
1: You can also email us at sbtcpodcasts at religionnews.com. We'd love to hear from you.
2: I'm Paul Brandeis Rauschenbusch. The State of Belief is a weekly podcast with a potent mix of spiritual wisdom, political strategy, and hopeful commentary. In a series of inspiring conversations, celebrating our diversity, and bringing us together to, in the words of the great James Baldwin, achieve our country. The State of Belief, where religion and democracy meet distributed by Religion News Service Podcasts and available on your favorite podcast app.
1: So to come back to your very first question, Caitlin, about whether I would attend a church where I could see the pastor's chest. To be clear, the um, male pastor's The, the male chest. pastor's chest. I am increasingly uh, squeamy about that. And Wait,
0: you were okay with it for a while, and now you're like,
1: ah, uh. well, I think I attended churches like that. I mean, I my my pastor in Orlando had a pretty deep V a lot of a lot of Sundays. Um, that was a thing for a while. <laughs> it it was a thing, and it if you go to the
0: Preachers and Sneakers Instagram account uh curated by Ben Kirby, you will see it is still a thing, and some of those V necks ain't cheap.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I. I'm not going to police what my pastor, who I really appreciate and care for, wears. And if he's goes through a V-neck stage, I'm not going to, like, stop going to our church. But <laughs> I don't remember which of the many pastors featured on Preachers and Sneakers, like, where I went. I, maybe it was Chad Beach. Um, I, where I was like on a deep dive into like <laughs> a deep feed I- Instagram <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. And it's not just him. It was like his whole family and it just all felt very curated to have a sex appeal. And mm-hmm. I was like, what is going on here? Like this feels deeply strange to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and it reminds me a little bit of like, you know, there's, there's the righteous gemstones TV show, you know, like there's like a, even, even Tammy Faye, mm-hmm. like there's like a history mm-hmm. of like really, of, of particularly within the Pentecostal tradition of like pastors really being beautiful and emphasizing their um,
0: physical appearance their and appearance. their appearance and having clothing that really draws attention to itself, whether right. it's
1: so I don't think this is like new, yeah. but the sexiness Thing is new, a little bit new to me.
0: I don't know if you remember this, Roxy, but growing up, we heard a lot about the virtue of modesty.
1: Hmm. It brings, yeah, I I remember that vaguely. Yeah,
0: obviously, there's a double standard in how modesty is taught. You know, it was kind of meant for women not to make men stumble. Mm-hmm. In addition to it being taught in a hypocritical way, it's also kind of missing the broader Christian teaching on modesty, which isn't so much like, right? you know, deep V's are always bad and sinful, or even luxury clothing is always and everywhere sinful, but is the motive to draw attention to yourself and kind of impress other people right? and draw people in with sex appeal or the appearance of wealth Or is your desire to be approachable? And I would think that as Mm -hmm. pastors, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you'd want to emphasize that you are there to serve God and people and not to draw attention to yourself. And I'm sure that, you know, pastors like Carl Lentz or Chad Beach have done good in those roles, but the image that they present to the world does not communicate that. I think part of the reason these churches and these pastors have gotten so much media attention, including on preachers and sneakers is that I think we just intuit that there's something
1: incoherent there. Yeah.
0: Of all people, (laughs) church leaders should be leading from a different posture.
1: Right. And I think there's, there's probably forever a pendulum swing, you know, of like, you know, you've got this idea of like pastors are deeply uncool and they, they, you know, they don't drink and they don't have any style and they don't have any tattoos and they're just Puritans, you know? And then there's like a swing to like, like Pastor Jim from Topeka. (laughs) Exactly. And then there's sort of this swing to like, oh, pastors are like the coolest, sexiest beasts that we've ever seen, you know? And it's so tempting for the media to to sort of go grab onto that and be like, oh, these pastors are cool. They drink. Mm-hmm. They go to rock concerts, you know, and it's just so I I mean, I get it. But, you know, I even remember when I was working at Relevant, at, like when Relevant first came out, it was like, oh, Christians can listen to secular music, <laughs> you know. And so I think there's like this idea of like, let's like try to dispel these stereotypes of Only like Mumford and being Sons. a Christian means because yes. it kind of already sounds like christian music. But there's this idea of just dis- of dispelling this co- this conception that christians are just boring and mm-hmm. can't enjoy anything in the world mm-hmm. and are, you know, wearing our like hair shirts and <laughs> just serving the poor all day.
0: Yes, and and for a pastor like Carl Lentz having seemingly real connections and friendships with actual celebrities who are like <laughs> actually Mm -hmm. very cool, and fly around in private Mm -hmm. jets and have people attend their concerts by the millions. Like, there's a sense of cultural validation there or acceptability, or I have gotten the imprimatur of Justin Bieber. So if Justin Bieber mm-hmm. approves and Justin Bieber also loves Jesus, maybe it's not so bad to consider whether you right. could also be a Christian. Like if your hang up with Christian faith is that you will no longer be cool. These people come along right. and say, no, you can be cool and love Jesus at the same time. I think I'm just at a point and maybe it's right. my age and just recognizing that I'm never really going to be cool in this way. <laughs> I'll never be able to pull off a deep neck. I'm at a place where I want church to be boring and decidedly uncool. (laughs) I want the sermon to be a little bit boring. I want us to sing hymns that have, like... too many verses to them (laughs) and use archaic language and I want (laughs) my priest to wear vestments you know I want him to wear a robe so I'm never thinking about what he's wearing like cool or uncool it's just the uniform that signifies that Mm -hmm. he is there to serve I I realize this is very this sounds like high church snobbery but I'm distrustful of churches where I feel like they're trying too hard
1: yeah and certainly boring churches have had their problems too and even have hoarded wealth and all the rest. But <laughs> Good I do point. <laughs> think there's you know shoot. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I gotta rethink this <laughs> strident view. I've seen the jewels in some of those crowds. But I I know what you're getting at. Like I understand that celebrities need pastors too. I just I think it'd be great if their pastors acted more like pastors and less like celebrities. But I you know, I think that Bieber seems to have had a real life change mm-hmm. and been very positively influenced mm-hmm. by these pastors in his lives and i in his life, and I think that's good. I don't want pastors to like refuse to minister to celebrities, mm-hmm. but I think you know it shouldn't come at the cost of like you have to deny these aspects of. The calling of Jesus, which includes like service to the poor and caring about the marginalized and probably caring at a level about the modesty of your clothing in terms of what it costs and where it comes from and what it is conveying. Mm-hmm. And are you privileging your celebrity congregants over your poor congregants or your less cool congregants. Um, And those, I think, are critical questions that you need to be asking if you have that level of influence and have that level of um, access. That's a temptation Mm -hmm. for sure.
0: Yes, I have heard and I address this in my book on celebrity. I have heard the rationalization that yes, celebrities need Jesus and wealthy people need Jesus. Mm-hmm. So shouldn't pastors be free to minister to people with immense social power and people with a lot of wealth? Yes, but Jesus did not become wealthy in order to minister mm-hmm. to wealthy people. Like he was he was free. Yeah. In ways that very few of us actually are, but he was he mm-hmm. seemed free to be able to minister to people across social strata and with a lot of social power and no social power mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, I think we'd say that Jesus had a preferential option for people who were on the outskirts you know, that that is why he was mm-hmm. so radical in his ministry was his willingness to mm-hmm. go to like the farthest reaches. you know,
1: I don't think Jesus used the celebrities he ministered to as a strategy to reach a broader audience. Mhm.
0: Which I think is It wasn't like, "Bro, take a selfie. Let's post it."
1: Yeah, exactly. <sighs> I think I got in a fight about this and you were there once. Yeah.
0: It was at the seminary. Um, yeah. Or it wasn't a yeah. it wasn't a fist fight to be clear. It was You got into a debate with someone who was like, celebrities need Jesus too, so why are we dunking on these pastors? "Eh, That's a little more complicated than that.
1: It is. And I think I um, also was not nuanced in my response because, you know, we'd been, had a drink. You
0: don't get more nuanced the more that you drink. (laughs)
1: And I think I was like, no, we all should be like Dorothy Day. Yeah, of course. (laughs) And so it was a really productive conversation.
0: (laughs) Most of us cannot be like Dorothy Day, but I think we could use, I think the pendulum should swing more toward Dorothy Day than where we currently are. Say by the City is a Religion News Service production. The producer is Jay Woodward, and the consulting editor is Paul O'Donnell.
1: Chaz Rousseau put together our look, and Martin Fowler wrote our theme music.
0: We are Caitlin Beatty. And Roxy Stone. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. For listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Roxy. I know.
2: you're Now you're here. You're in a... I'm Roxy Stone.